Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I hope that the first week of spring was good to you. I knew it was to me. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We've had some notable moisture events in the Texas High Plains recently, but were they a game changer? Maybe we shouldn't go that far. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A hearing on eminent domain bills will be held in the State House Committee on Land and Resource Management in Austin. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. The first day of spring is upon us, bringing with it dreams of greener pastures. Green pastures require rainfall and nutrients. A sound fertility plan that considers optional methods of providing nutrients to the forage system should be the norm. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has pressed pause on a plan to make RFID tags the official ear tag for interstate cattle movement. Jessica Dommel has more. USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service announced that after reviewing more than 900 public comments on the proposal, it has decided to use the rulemaking process for future action related to the proposal. That means the original notice to move to the radio frequency identification tags will not be finalized. Ranchers may continue to use current APHIS-approved methods of cattle identification until further noticed. APHIS did note, however, that they believe RFID tags will provide the cattle industry with the best protection against the rapid spread of animal diseases. The notice said they will therefore continue to encourage the use of RFID tags while rulemaking is pending. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. More CFAP money is on the way for Texas cattle producers. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack announced this week that additional payments will be made under Round 1 of the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. Payments will involve under CFAP 1 uh, payments to cattle producers. Uh, They don't need to apply. Uh, They don't need to take additional steps. This is essentially uh, providing additional resources to what we anticipate would be about 410,000 producers about $1.1 billion of additional support and help. Uh, Rates for these producers will be published uh, on a website at farmers.gov slash CFAP. I would encourage cattle producers to take a look at that to determine how much they might be entitled to in in addition to and above what they've already received. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. The Texas High Plains has had some noticeable precipitation events recently, but just how much difference have they made? James Hunt takes a look from Amarillo. 
With rain and snow over the past couple weeks, a good portion of the region has collected around one to two inches of precipitation, but some locations were lucky if they got even two-tenths of an inch. Very unfortunately, the southwest panhandle has continued to get left out to a large degree, and that divide between haves and have-nots appears to be reflected in AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell's assessment of area wheat. Southwestern Panhandle, very stressed wheat right now, and it's unlikely that this precipitation is really going to make a big difference down there. But in other areas, we've seen wheat conditions really improve, and even some dry land wheat in the central to northern Panhandle is looking pretty nice right now. On a special note for those with dual-purpose intentions for their wheat, Dr. Bell says make plans to move that livestock. That growing point is now moving above the soil surface, which is where that developing head is. And if cattle are out on these wheat pastures, and if you're still wanting to hopefully have a pretty good grain crop from this wheat as well, you're really at risk for reducing your grain yield potential. Now, going back to the impact of recent precipitation, Dr. Bell says in some areas, farmers are starting to feel better about their soil moisture situation, but what happens in the next few weeks will be significant in terms of spring planting. Hopefully, we don't have extremely warm, dry, windy conditions in the next month. We do have some producers who still plant corn in April, but as a whole, we don't see most of our planting get underway full swing until May. So we have a, a month of you know, potentially fields drying out if it's very warm and very windy. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Imminent domain laws are once again a big topic of discussion at the state capitol. Tom Nicoletti reports. The Texas House Committee on Land and Resource Management has scheduled to hear bills relating to eminent domain. For more on this, we go to Austin, and Joy Davis is my guest today. She is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director. And Joy, fill us in more about this upcoming uh, committee hearing. Well, Tom, we've been told that March 30th is going to be eminent domain day at the Capitol for land and resource management. We are expecting, along with any bill that's relating to eminent domain reform, to hear the major reform bill that farmers and ranchers have been pushing, and that is House Bill 901 that is being carried by Representative Dwayne Burns of Cleburne. We will also be hearing House Bill 2730, which has been filed by Chairman Deschotel, Chairman of of the House Land and Resource Management Committee, which does not provide proper protections for farmers and ranchers. So we're going to need as much support for House Bill 901 as we can get that day. Our opponents on this are going to have all of their opposition lined up, and so we need to make sure that we get everyone, landowners, farmers, ranchers, everyone that can that wants true eminent domain reform at the Capitol, and if not, submitting public comments and uh, making sure that their voices are heard here at the Capitol. Joy, what is the essence of HB 901 by Representative Burns? Essentially, the as-filed version of that bill will make sure that a condemning company has to provide a bona fide offer to the landowner before they come in and take the property, that there are required easement terms that have to be followed in the contract. Now, as far as the committee hearing is concerned, uh, what else uh, do people need to do to to, uh, check on the uh, status of it? 
at the time of this interview, they have not posted for that hearing. So as things go here in Austin, anything can change. So what I would recommend is for anyone that's curious about this to go to the Texas House of Representatives website and check on the committee schedule because they will have posted at that time and make sure that House Bill 901 is listed on the committee schedule for March 30th. And then if you're interested, can come to Austin, come and uh, let your testimony be heard that day. If not, there will be a link on that website where you can submit public comments, and that will be just as good. Like I said, they're going to have their opposition lined up. We need to make sure that we've got our positive support for House Bill 901 lined up just as well. That is Joy Davis. She is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director joining us today from Austin. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Spring is here and green pastures are just around the corner, bringing the need for spring fertilizer. Dr. Vanessa Olson has more from East Texas. Fertilizer should generally be purchased based on the price per pound of nutrients. Although certain sources of nitrogen fertilizer, when priced by the ton, may be more appealing than others, consider the analysis and the actual cost per pound of nutrient. Many times, higher-priced fertilizer on a per-ton basis is a better purchase. An alternative to traditional fertilizer sources is animal manures. Roller litter is commonly used in Central and East Texas as a nutrient source. Roller litter can be a good source of nutrients for several reasons. Besides providing the primary nutrients, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, there are also appreciable amounts of calcium, magnesium, copper, and boron. Yearly applications of litter may also raise soil pH over time. This can be critical to produce certain forage species and serves to reduce overall input cost associated with limestone application. Also, provided by the litter is organic matter that helps to improve soil tilth and nutrient and moisture holding capability. There is some lag time in roller litter application and when the nutrients will be available. Because of this lag time in nutrient availability, producers may wish to apply roller litter at least one month prior to forage greenup. Users of roller litter should also realize that approximately 10 to 15% of the nitrogen that is not available in the application year will be available the following year. Most of the phosphorus and potassium, however, are available the first year. Roller litter is highly variable in nutrient content. Nutrient content can vary from farm to farm as well as from roller house to house. Poultry litter can be analyzed at most soil testing labs for nutrient content per ton of litter. Before making any fertilizer decision, collect soil samples and have them analyzed so you know what and how much you need for optimum forage production. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson reporting from East Texas with Texas Ag Today. Research into an invasive dove species continues. What has it told us thus far? I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you have a horse that is down and cannot get up, there are some things you need to immediately do. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. 
Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have a horse that is down and can't get up, it's important that you restrain that horse immediately for both the horse's safety and yours. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. Owners are understandably upset when their horse is down and cannot rise. Regardless of the cause, these horses can be dangerous to themselves and humans. So techniques of restraint are good to know. Dr. Rebecca Hustad from Large Animal Emergency Rescue indicated at the AAEP convention that recumbent horses are difficult to safely restrain and lots of times horses are in dangerous places when this occurs, like horse trailers or small stalls. And it is easy for the person or the horse to get injured. Because of the danger, it is a good idea to have personal protective equipment available such as helmets, boots, and gloves in case they are needed. If you have a down horse in this situation, call your veterinarian to sedate the horse to decrease the chance of injury. It is sometimes even difficult and dangerous to even sedate these horses. And sometimes the drugs for sedation are not as effective due to the excitement of the horse. It is recommended to use a pad or blanket over the horse's head to prevent damage to the head and eyes and hopefully decrease the fright. The goal is to try and get the horse sitting sternal so they can stand up easier. Although previously it was recommended to put a knee on the horse's neck and tip the nose up to keep the horse from trying to stand, this is dangerous and now it is recommended to put a halter on the horse and hold a lead rope and tip the nose of the horse up with the halter. Until the vet arrives, avoid standing in dangerous areas like in front of the horse, between the legs, or behind the horse as the horse can paw and kick while laying down and could cause injury. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Research into an invasive dove species continues. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The results are in from the Texas Dove Hunters Association's annual Banded Bird Challenge. Each year, the association bans hundreds of Eurasian collared doves and asks hunters to let them know if they harvest one. Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the association, said it is all part of a research project to learn more about the invasive species. Parks and Wildlife does a tremendous job administering the federal program for morning dove and white wing but they don't have the resources to put towards the Eurasian collar dove and basically starting from scratch. So we took that on and we're doing the best we can with it. The hard thing about it is it's only been three years now. And so the data we have won't give us any indication of age. Basically all it's giving us at this point is time and distance, which is how many days since the time it was released and how far did it travel and when it was harvested. And then of course, direction. There was one bird that had been harvested 733 days since its release date, and it had only traveled eight miles. On the other hand, we had one that was some 33 days old from the time it had been released, so it was one of this year's birds, and it had already traveled 205 miles. You can see why we do this. We want to know what's leading it, and what's causing them to either travel or not travel. Obviously, our suspicion is habitat. We want to put some fact behind it. Of the 109 banded Eurasian collar doves that have been reported, none of them were harvested outside of Texas. 
The Dove Hunters Association is hoping the research will tell us if the collared doves are having an impact on native game birds and their habitat. Sign up for the 2021 Banded Bird Challenge begins June 1st on bandedbirdchallenge.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, it was a great week for the cattle market last week. Cattle futures finishing higher all five days, and we wrap things up higher on Friday as well. The cotton market, however, had a rocky road. We did see some recovery Friday, however. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a very positive week for cattle futures trading last week, both live and feeder cattle, ending higher in just about every trading session last week. And on Friday afternoon, we wrapped things up on a higher note. April live cattle were up 55 cents to end the week at 120.10. June live cattle up 70, 121.77. August live cattle up 50 cents at 120.87. Feeder cattle futures finishing the week higher. April feeders up 90 cents, 145.12. May feeder cattle up 75 at 149.87. August feeders up 32, 158.45. Positive development in the cash-fed cattle market last week. We sold cattle at 115 with a few at 116. So that's $1 to $2 higher compared to the previous week. Of course, those are live prices. Dressed prices up north, 184 to 185. That's 3 to $4 higher than the previous week. Boxed beef prices continue to climb all last week. On Friday, choice was up $1.95, 238.40, select up 284 at 229.09. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, when you hear cattle and sheep and goats on a Wednesday, you know you're going to get sold some good livestock and you'll get it done at Seguin Cattle Company. They sell on Wednesday. Cousin Brian Lentzman's on the line with us. Cousin Brian, how'd you sell livestock this week? Good day to be in agriculture. I wish it would be like this 365 days out of the year, 12 months out of the year. No matter whether it was the cattle market or the sheep and goat market, it was competitive. It was good. And and I think this kind of falls back to the dry fall that we've had. And I mean, nobody's running any numbers. They just got to reach out there and buy some. On those two to three weight steers, they brought from $1.50 to 203 Three to four weights, $1.50 to 210 Four to five weights, $1.43 to $1.92. The five to six weights, $1.30 to $1.64. Six to seven weights, $1.20 to $1.46. And the seven to eight weight steers, $1.10 to $1.38. Heifer mates, two to three weights, $1.32 to $1.60. The three to four weights, $1.39 to $1.80. The four to five weights, $1.33 to $1.59. The five to six weights, $1.28 to $1.44. 
six to seven weight heifers, dollar twelve to a dollar thirty-six. Top end of the cows up to seventy-two. Good high yielding bulls they brought up to eighty-nine cents. We had a few pairs they brought from seven hundred to eight fifty. Sheep and goats, top end of the nannies brought three hundred and ten dollars. The good kids brought from three dollars to three sixty-five. And then when you get to them door for use, they brought from one hundred and thirty to two hundred twenty-five dollars. And then the lambs brought from two forty to two ninety. So it's just a fantastic market. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sale. Give us a call at eight three zero three seven nine 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 five five or you can call me on my cell at eight three oh three oh five zero six five two and if you've got a few extra minutes it would probably be worth you to take the time and trap a few and get them sold get them sold at seguin cattle company brian thank you so much thank you larry neighbor thanks for listening to walk in the pens a production of the texas farm bureau radio network i'm the man behind the mic my name's larry marble thanks larry back over to the futures market where lean hogs continue to climb higher we're above 100 bucks now. April lean hogs up $1.12 on Friday, closing at $100.80. The May contract up $2.52 to close at $101.35. Class 3 milk was mixed. April milk up $0.26, cents, $17.06, 100 weight. The cotton market saw a bounce back after Thursday's limit down move. It seems some traders thought it was a little oversold, so they came back into the market on Friday, and we saw some triple-digit gains. The next thing this market is looking for is USDA's prospective planting numbers. They come out on Wednesday. USDA pegged the 2021 cotton crop at 12 million acres in its January report, but we'll wait to see what they show in this March report. We close with Bay Cotton up 194 points, 80.38 cents. July Cotton up 189 at 81.41. December Cotton up 219, 78.74 cents. The wheat market took a breather after a continual drop over the last couple of weeks. Beneficial rain putting a lot of pressure on the wheat market. July Kansas City wheat up one and a half Friday, ending the week at 574 and a half. July Chicago wheat up three quarters. 609 and a quarter. The corn market was higher. Nearby May corn up six, 552 and a half. September corn up a penny, 483 and three quarters. December corn up one at 466 and a half. The energy markets mixed with April natural gas unchanged, 256. May crude oil up 226 at 6082 a barrel. The financial markets higher. Dow Jones Industrial Average up 253 points. 32,873. The NASDAQ up 66 at 13,044. The S&P 500 up 38 points at 3,948. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.